This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where we've passed another milestone in the pandemic. The state reported 5,400 new cases of coronavirus Wednesday, driving the total past half a million. The actual number is 502,739. The health department also reports 225 new fatalities from COVID-19, increasing the statewide death toll to 7,751. A circuit judge in Dade County hears legal arguments today in a lawsuit challenging the Education Commissioner's order to reopen schools before the end of the month. The teachers' union claims it's unconstitutional and is forcing people into early retirement. As we sit here today, many teachers, educators, staff are making irrevocable decisions to retire. Floridians who lost their jobs during the pandemic have also lost those $600 per week unemployment payments provided by the feds. The House has passed a bill to extend those jobless benefits until the end of the year, but Miami Congresswoman Donna Shalala says the Senate is playing games. I now believe that Republicans actually live on a different planet. They live in a different world. They don't understand people's lives or they don't care. They're tone deaf, they're cruel, they're insensitive, and frankly, they're immoral. They don't care. The COVID crisis has devastated the tourism industry, and it will take years to recover. Today on the Sunrise Soapbox, you'll hear from Chris Thompson with Brand USA, a group whose sole purpose is to attract more visitors from other countries. They've stopped advertising for now. Right now, if we message, it would be tone deaf. We would be considered insincere, inappropriate, because they're not, nobody's receptive to our message about traveling to the United States. A group called Integrity Florida issues a new report on voting by mail. They say it's been working well for almost 20 years in the Sunshine State and should not be a problem this year. But remember where we are. When it comes to the integrity of our elections, perception is everything. And that's especially true in Florida, where close elections and post-election meltdowns are the norm rather than the exception. We'll also have your daily calendar of events and check in with a Florida man who has a problem with face masks. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, August 6th, the day we dropped the atomic bomb on Hiroshima. It killed an estimated 140,000 people, which is still less than the number of Americans killed by COVID-19. A lawsuit challenging the state's order to reopen public schools in the midst of a pandemic goes before a Miami-Dade circuit judge today. The Florida Education Association is suing the governor and the education commissioner, saying the order to reopen schools is unconstitutional. Kendall Coffey is an attorney for the teachers' union. Even more uh, horrifying statistics. And now there are 500,000 COVID cases in, in Florida, 125,000 in Miami-Dade County, and tragically 7,600 people have died in the state of Florida. So we all know that this is very, very serious. And of course, these numbers vastly exceed the level of danger at the time months ago when the Miami-Dade and other schools around the state closed for brick and mortar and went to virtual learning. So we believe that human safety is the ultimate imperative, uh, but our lawsuit takes specific aim at an emergency order that was issued by the Commissioner of Education which we believe uh, was issued uh, in violation of the Florida Constitution in several critical respects. First of all, it does not sufficiently take account of the safety that is the constitutional right of every student in Florida. And while there are certain elements of a public education such as quality uh, that are not judicially manageable, uh, we're not here asking your honor whether a particular class in English or art is conducted 
appropriately. The element of human safety is indeed something that judges are able to, to deal with. And in fact, a case that's cited uh, by uh, the state defendants, Citizens for Strong Schools, the trial court emphasized that the terms in Article 9 relating to safe and secure are judicially manageable standards. And in fact, said that Florida courts deal with issues related to safety and security all day, what's unreasonably dangerous, what's sufficiently safe. So that is an important part of our argument with respect to Article 9. With respect to the other count, which is arbitrary and capricious, we think that the order is confusing. It's not reasonably anchored upon data and evidence and is subject to attack as essentially a violation of due process. Mark Richard represents the Miami-Dade Teachers Union. He told the judge time is of the essence now because many of the veteran teachers will retire if they are forced to return to the classroom now. As we sit here today, many teachers, educators, staff are making irrevocable decisions to retire. They are making decisions through their FRS plan to take lesser benefits because regardless of whether a school is opening Tuesday or a month from Tuesday as scheduled, you have to make these decisions. These are life and death, no do-over decisions. We would think the courts and the governor and, and the secretary, the commissioner of education rather, would like our day in court so these okay. teachers and parents can get at least the direction of where we're heading. Lawyers for the state are trying to get that lawsuit dismissed by arguing that the education commissioner's emergency reopening order doesn't actually force schools to reopen. While the attorneys argue in court, the politicians are doing what they do best, blaming others. The issue now is unemployment. Florida's jobless benefits are some of the lowest in the country, a maximum of 275 bucks a week. Even the governor admits the system was designed to discourage people from even applying. When the pandemic began, Congress provided another $600 per week for people who'd lost their jobs. That ended on August 1st. The House has voted to extend those benefits until the end of the year, but Broward Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz says the Senate is stalling. Over the last two months, Senate Republicans have not lifted one finger to help struggling Americans, local governments, or frontline workers. Instead, two months too late, Republicans released a completely inadequate big business giveaway package that slashes the very lifeline struggling families are depending on. It's a bill that promises one thing, to prolong the suffering that struggling Americans are facing. It erodes families' financial security by cutting the federal pandemic supplemental to unemployment insurance by $400 a week. Republicans have also so far refused to provide rent or mortgage assistance for those facing eviction and homelessness. And what about those on our front lines? Republicans provide no state and local funding to pay our healthcare workers, first responders, food, transit, and san sanitation workers. These are the folks who risk their own lives to save our lives and now they may lose their jobs if we don't provide this badly needed assistance. The Republican plan also bullies kids into potentially unsafe schools, yet they starve children of broadband funding for students who still need to be learning from home. The GOP's initial relief plan refuses to get behind a well-funded science-based testing plan. We are still woefully inadequate when it comes to making sure that we have a well-coordinated national testing and contact tracing plan. And without that, we are doomed to stay in this public health nightmare for months longer. And don't forget who pays the biggest price for that. It's communities of color that are being disproportionately devastated by COVID-19 and the economic fallout from it. But don't panic, the, the, the Republican plan does do a few things. It enriches corporations by handing liability immunity to employers who fail to protect workers 
health and safety. And it gives wealthy corporations, wait for it, a business meal tax deduction, also known as the free martini lunch, at the same time that they're refusing to expand SNAP benefits for families. Republicans need to come to the table with a real offer, something that puts people before their big business buddies. Many Senate Republicans, including Rick Scott of Florida, claim the $600 weekly payments are too much because people would make more from unemployment than from working. Congresswoman Donna Shalala says they don't have a clue what people are actually going through. I now believe that Republicans actually live on a different planet. They live in a different world. They don't understand people's lives or they don't care. They presented a plan that financed a tax cut on business lunches on the backs of working folks. They cut $400 a week from unemployment insurance for millions of hardworking Floridians to give a tax cut for a business meal. They cut $400 a week from unemployed workers to finance a new building for the FBI. They cut $400 a week from Floridians who through no fault of their own have lost their jobs to protect insurance companies with their liability, potential liability costs. Who are these people? They're tone deaf, they're cruel, they're insensitive, and frankly, they're immoral. They don't care. The Republicans have said that $600 a week is too generous, even as they demand massive giveaways to wealthy corporations. They falsely claim that the $600 per week in pandemic unemployment benefits that millions of jobless workers depend on are too generous. Too generous? In fact, a new study released by Yale last week showed just the opposite. They found no evidence that pandemic unemployment benefits were a disincentive to going back to work. Who are these people that call themselves Republicans? There are people that don't care. They don't care about people in our communities. And frankly, we do care. And our leaders and all of us will continue to fight for benefits that our people deserve that represent money they've paid in over the years. This is our money that we're bringing back to Floridians. This is our money that we've paid in taxes. This is the money that hardworking folks who now have lost their jobs have paid over the years. They deserve that money back when they need it. One of the people who needs that money is Beverly Perkins of Miami. Before COVID, she had two jobs. Today, she's unemployed and is not sure how to make ends meet without the federal benefits. That little bit of money that was coming in, you know, it, it's they think it's a lot of money. It's barely, it barely pays my rent. So I'm not getting 875. I was getting on a good day if it was coming 725. And now they're behind with me about 10 weeks. I am out of my mind because unfortunately with them um, getting rid of the 600 that was just allowing me to like scrape by, it, it, this is devastating. You know, there's no end in sight because I, you know, I like to work. I'm a hard worker. I'm a professional and I, it's like all I want to do is work and do what I love to do, and I can't do either. Cutting benefits might make sense if the pandemic was over and companies were hiring. But Palm Beach County Congresswoman Lois Frankel says that's not happening. Florida's job loss is particularly bad, and it's going to be particularly hard to get back because of the decline in tourism and also because we have been dependent on a large, older population 
to for consumer spending. And what's happened? Uh, not only has the uh, pandemic hit older citizens harder, but I've said this before and I'll say it again, because of the cavalier way that our president and our governor treated this, our young people live dangerously and our older citizens have been held hostage in their homes, trying to protect their own health. And now just adding insult to injury, uh, a, new a new study estimated that uh, over 5.4 million American workers lost employer-sponsored health insurance. And that includes over 600,000 Floridians, which, and it's the sing single largest loss of coverage in the nation's history. So we have now, it's estimated 25% of Florida's non-elderly adults are uninsured. So here we are in Florida, out of work, the epicenter of the disease, Millions can't pay their bills. They don't have health insurance. 11 weeks ago, the House passed the HEROES Act, legislation that would, among other things, extend the $600 a week federal unemployment benefits. And what have the Republicans done during that 11 weeks? They did nothing. As people in America got sick and, and uh, lost their jobs, and the Republicans telling Americans that they were just in a pause. Let's just pause, even as COVID-19 soared in this country. And I just, you know, my description of the Republicans' response is very simple, cruel and inhumane. And then to come with an inadequate package with gifts to big business, I think, again, adding insult to injury lowering the benefits that Americans need. You know, the numbers of people who've been affected are staggering and uh, we need everybody to come together. Republicans and Democrats to come together and let's say to uh, Senator McConnell, we know that you have half of your Republicans in the Senate who don't wanna do anything, but there are Democrats who are willing to vote for a package that is sustainable for the American people and we urge you to come to the table and take this devastation seriously. Some of the most devastating impacts have been in the travel and tourism industries. Next up on the Sunrise Soapbox, you'll hear from a guy who has the unenviable job of trying to convince people from other countries to visit the USA when they vacation. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we're much obliged. The Florida Hospital Association has released the OPEN Plan, designed to allow Florida's safe resumption of elective surgeries and procedures. OPEN stands for O, observe the COVID-19 rate of community occurrence. P, prevent transmission. E, establish the process to restore elective surgeries and procedures. And N, network with all healthcare providers. You can read the OPEN plan today at FHA.org. Welcome back to Sunrise. Our guest today is Chris Thompson, who used to run Visit Florida, the state's tourism marketing agency. Today, he's the head of Brand USA. His job is to lure people from other countries to vacation in America, and the COVID crisis has turned his world upside down. So I'll tell you that it has rocked our worlds, our, our professional worlds, our personal worlds, and it has rocked the hospitality industry disproportionately. And here's why. Because what ha what's defined as hospitality, rest, uh, hotels, restaurants, bars, retail, attractions, museums, 
anything that is part of an experience you can have in a destination is also what makes our lives enriched. It's the reasons why we live in the cities we live in. And that's been rocked. So even though they, they don't necessarily always focus on that part of it, the hospitality industry is what makes our cities our cities. So here's the influences that have happened there. So the first, I guess, reported case in, uh, that we heard about, of course, when it's coming out of China, you never know whether it's true and whether it's the whole message. But the first time we heard it was an issue was right at the end of December. I think it might have been the 30th. The first death was in January. And then we knew it was coming this way. We had no idea it was going to be what it is today, but it rocked our world. So how, how has that affected the hospitality business? Today's environment is the worst we've ever faced. While the rest of the economy is in a recession, the travel industry is in a depression. Remember the $2.9 trillion number I told you, the contribution? Of the, it's expected that there will be a loss of $1.2 of that uh, as a result of the coronavirus. 8 million jobs lost in the hospitality industry alone. That's 38% of all unemployment in the United States. 51% of the hospitality industry is unemployed right now. That's two times worse than the Great Depression. So that's how the impact has been on the industry. So you might be looking at me and saying, what the hell are you doing? You haven't have a job left. That's what I've been asking myself for the last 143 days. So we had a board meeting last week. So we had to make sense of this. We had to put a stake in the ground on when we thought we would have a chance to message again. Right now, if we message, it would be tone deaf. We would be considered insincere, inappropriate, because they're not, nobody's receptive to our message about traveling to the United States. Right now, our priority markets on reentry, where we think we would have the best recovery opportunity, Canada, Mexico, UK, and Europe. Right now, you can't travel from any of those markets to here. So until those restrictions are dropped, until countries like Australia and India say that their citizens can travel, nothing we do is going to change anything. So on the home market, we have to get on, not only do we have to get on top of the health pandemic around the world, but within our own country. Why do we think people will want to travel here when we can't even find a way for ourselves to get out and travel within our country? So we have to really get on top of that before we're ever going to have a chance. Thompson spoke to the Economic Club of Florida and was asked if the presidential election will have an impact on bringing overseas vacationers back to the states. Thompson said, not really. Tourism was booming even at the height of the immigration crisis when kids were being separated from their parents and put in cages. He says people don't visit because of the president, they come for the American experience. One of those American experiences is voting, and there's been a lot of debate over doing it by mail instead of in person during the pandemic. Donald Trump is threatening to sue Nevada for passing a new law making it easier to fill out your ballot at home and mail it in. But let's be honest, Florida is the epicenter of electile dysfunction. So Ben Wilcox of Integrity Florida says they decided to check our own record with voting by mail. Turns out it was pretty good. Since 2002, Florida voters have been able to request a mail ballot for any reason. Florida has a long history with vote by mail, and the process has been modified and improved over the years, most recently in 2019. President Trump's recent attacks on mail voting may lead to some voters distrusting mail ballots, possibly resulting in decreased turnout. Virtually every credible source that we found refutes President Trump's warning about widespread mail voter fraud. Mail balloting may be slightly more susceptible to fraud than in-person voting, but in any case, existing research shows voter fraud in general is exceedingly rare. In our five case studies, looking at the states that use universal vote by mail, we found little evidence of fraud. Few problems have been reported, and vote by mail is very popular with the voters. Research indicates that 
Vote by mail does not help any political party, as President Trump falsely claims. Here in Florida, mail voting has been most effectively employed by Republicans. The report also finds that in some states with universal mail voting, it has increased voter turnout. Now that's not to say there aren't concerns around voting by mail, particularly when it comes to verifying ballots based on signatures, minorities, young people, First-time voters and voters with disabilities are most likely to have their ballots rejected because of non-matching signatures or other defects. There are also recent concerns that have been raised about the post office and whether budget cuts will undermine its ability to deliver ballots on time for the November election. Overall, the report finds Florida should be well-positioned to conduct a safe, reliable election with a robust vote-by-mail program. My only qualification to that statement is this is Florida after all. If something can go wrong, it probably will. And if the election is close, the, the results will likely be contested. What makes this a bit confusing is that even as the president threatens to sue Nevada over voting by mail, he says Florida's system is just fine. So the question for Wilcox is this. If Donald Trump says we're okay, should we be worried? Good question. You know, President Trump's reactions to mail-in voting are more based on what he perceives as his election strategy than based on reality. But yeah, I, no, I don't think we should be worried that he's endorsed Florida's mail-in voting system. You know, a lot, a lot of other uh, Republicans have said that, that Florida's mail-in voting system is, is reliable and safe. In fact, Wilcox says it's so safe, they're recommending universal mail-in voting in Florida, which means you wouldn't even have to request a ballot. It would be sent to you automatically if you're a registered voter. Your calendar of events today begins at 8 o'clock. That's when the Florida Board of Clinical Social Work, Marriage and Family Therapy, and Mental Health Counseling meets by conference call. The Florida A&M trustees get an update on the university's reopening plan. Committees meet at 8.30. The full board meets at 11. The Social Services Estimating Conference meets at 9 to talk about expenditures for kid care. That's the subsidized health insurance program for children. The State Task Force on Holocaust Education meets online at 9. The Board of Nursing Home Administrators holds an online meeting at 9. And the Board of Nursing meets by conference call at 1.30. Finally today, a drunken Florida man is accused of grabbing a child wearing a mask at a restaurant, getting right up in his face and saying, you now have coronavirus. 47-year-old Jason Koperhaber of Reddington Shores is charged with battery and disorderly conduct. The police report says he walked up to the kid's table, told him to take off his mask. When the boy refused, police say he grabbed the youngster by the hand, leaned in, and said, you now have the virus. He was so close, he sprayed the boy's face with spittle. After he was arrested, Koperhaber told police he didn't know if he had coronavirus and has never been tested. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.